As always, my name is Alex, your host for today's conversation, um, principal recruiter here with Lawrence Harvey, um, focused on cybersecurity placements and client relationships. Uh, I'm joined here today by Josh Fulmer, global cybersecurity recruiter for Dragos and well-known industry mentor. Josh, I really appreciate you grabbing some time. Um, this episode is going to focus on, as most of them do, the current state of cybersecurity in the job market, but today is definitely more of a chance to take a deeper dive here halfway through the year. Um, and Josh being on the internal or corporate recruiting side of the house, myself on the external, hopefully can lay kind of a full um, full view, but but hopefully gives you guys some good detail as well. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to you, Josh. Again, thanks for coming on. I'm sure our listeners sure. would just like to understand a little bit more about your background, how you got started <clears throat> in cybersecurity slash recruitment in general, um, <clears throat> and we can go from there. Yeah. Awesome. Great, great intro. Really excited to be here. This is one of my favorite, uh, favorite things to do is to chat with folks and uh, some important topics. So yeah, just high level. I've been recruiting for close to eight years. I have recruited a ton of different positions. I've always been a corporate internal recruiter. I, I got my start at a national lab here in Idaho. So recruiting a ton of engineers, IT people, business positions, got some good experience, but the last, I'd say four or five years have been heavily cyber focused. So I joined Dragos two years ago and now the, um, one of two recruiters there recruiting globally, EMEA, Australia, North America, um, on all sorts of positions from, from technical cyber to sales, to, um, sales ops, to business positions. So it's been an amazing experience and Sort of on the side, I've been creating content on LinkedIn and have yep. a blog uh, just to help job seekers. So that's been that's been fun. Yeah, I love it. I'm excited to dive in on all that. In in your transition from more of kind of an overall view recruiting, you mentioned engineering, some more focused IT stuff. Have you noticed any major differences between cybersecurity as a job market um, or just the type of recruiting that it is? Yeah, definitely. Um, cyber is an interesting industry because... Yeah. Um, it's its own little bubble there. There's, yeah. you know, that you have, you have cyber conferences, which are a big deal. You've got um, communities and groups and meetups and it's all, it's all just sort of unique from that perspective. It's a, it's a very, it's very community based. Yeah. Whereas in other markets, you know, there's obviously groups you can join and, and different organizations and different companies, but you know, no matter where you are in the world, you can sort of feel like you're a part of something if you join mm-hmm. the cybersecurity market and yeah. industry. And, and I really like that. It just makes it, you know, just the the amount of exposure you can get sure. in this industry and the connections you can get is, I think, is pretty cool. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. I think a lot of the kind of community aspect just comes down to the mission of, of protecting assets and, and protecting yeah. people around the world, I think is something that naturally people can really fall in line with, which is good. So I'm glad you've noticed that. Um, as a now well-experienced cybersecurity recruiter, what are some of just the overall current trends you're seeing um, today, yeah. halfway through 2023? Obviously a lot of kind of macroeconomic and geopolitical things going on, right? But what are some of the the higher level trends you, you've seen? Yeah, content is becoming a big deal. Like yeah. candidates themselves, um, technical cyber people, recruiters and such are building brands for themselves online across platforms. And I think that's so cool to see. And it gives you a huge advantage. So to where, you know, just years ago, you know, the the term content creator didn't even exist like that. That wouldn't have meant anything just a few years ago, but now 
people are able to just jump in on these platforms, whether it be LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, whatever your, your flavor is, but, you know, folks are out there engaging more, you know, creating a name for themselves um, in those spaces and, Mm -hmm. and connecting. I think that's happening more and more, but also a couple other trends I'm seeing in terms of that market are the amount of resources available to candidates. Mm -hmm. It's, it's never been better. You know, I think we, we tend to see the negative, you know, especially we're in 2023, it's been a bad job market, plenty of economic despair, uh, despair, layoffs and such. Yeah. You, know, you can look at it from that lens and it has been difficult for a lot of companies, candidates, job seekers, but there's also a ton of resources, like way more than ever before. When I was struggling years and years ago to get my foot in the door, to, to find the job I wanted, like it was kind of up to me to, you know, to, to figure things out. But now yeah. there's content creators like myself offering just free advice. There's a ton of newsletters, blogs, LinkedIn content, yeah. YouTube channels, there's even like official tools. Like you look at things like Teal. Yeah. It's just like can manage that whole process for candidates and, and make sense of it. So that has all been very interesting to see is just the massive amount of, of resources for candidates to take advantage of. Yeah. And those that really sink their teeth in, I think are winning yeah. when they're, when they're seeing all of that. So that's a good shout. I think the, the wow. barrier of entry within cybersecurity has always been somewhat a relatively high, right? But a lot yeah. of those um, free tools and, and free kind of resources is helping lower that ideally. There's always the conversation or kind of cliche around the cybersecurity skills gap. Um, and it's yeah. interesting because at certain levels, it's, it might hold true versus not. I think the skills gap probably is in more the senior to, to mid-level, like mm-hmm. individual contributors, highly technical people. Um, that's yeah. where at least clients that we see have the most need as far as recruitment goes. And at the lower level, mm-hmm. the entry level for a lot of people trying to get in, there's more realistically a job gap, right? There's not necessarily in theory yeah. enough roles for the amount of people Available that are jobs. really mm-hmm. passionate and, and are going for it, um, which is kind of just a, a dichotomy. It's a bit of a challenge right now. I'm, I'm not sure if you're seeing that also, but yeah. Um, I'm glad that, yeah, the resources aspect is is crucial. And for anybody that doesn't follow Josh or, or similar creators like him, he's a, he's a wonderful follow. And like he said, creating a, creating a brand. And if nothing else, just showing that you have passion for the industry comes off really well to recruiters and hiring managers. And it's not like it's something that people will look for on a resume per se, yeah. but you'd be mm-hmm. crazy to think it won't help boost your odds. So um, that's yeah, a wonderful for sure. shout. We, I've talked a little bit the last couple of months and whatnot about just where the industry's at. Another kind of tool and a big fad, quote unquote, at the moment <laughs> is artificial intelligence and how that might yeah. play into the cybersecurity field. One, we did an episode a couple uh, months ago with Amon Sarohi over at People AI. He gave a really good background on kind of how it affects cybersecurity specifically, yeah. but how it affects recruitment and the job market overall. I guess what's your kind of early, early thoughts on on that as a technology? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're not shying away from it here on my team, you know, where we're not necessarily adopting any technology in the moment. Mm-hmm. However, there I, we, ha- we have demoed and looked at different tools that will automate a lot of time-consuming tasks for recruiters. So yeah. one of which, you know, when we do those interviews, do those screens, you know, we really want to have solid documentation on that conversation, on the candidate, on their background, on the skills, because then we're presenting that to the managers. So there's a tool that will just listen into your calls, 
and, right. and dictate and write those notes for you. So you're just focused on that conversation. It'll, it'll even recognize, you know, who's talking and who's asking what questions, who's answering nice. those questions. So things like that are, are pretty fantastic. Uh, on the candidate side, I'm not as aware of, you know, ChatGPT is obviously just the yeah. sort of the, 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 the household name, but there's yeah. a ton of actually really cool use cases. I think uh, on the candidate side, you can take a tool like that and kind of overdo it, you know, mm -hmm. make yourself sound robotic or scripted yeah. and it just doesn't come off genuine, whatever content you're trying to produce. But in terms of like interview prep, you know, resume writing, um, yeah. things of that nature, um, it's actually pretty cool. I've, I've, I've played around with it a bit from that perspective oh, yeah. and um, it can help like, hey, you know, just some use cases like <clears throat> here's the job description, just paste it in there or the job yeah. title. You know, I'm heading into an interview, you know, what are some possible potential interview questions that will be asked of me? Yeah. What are some questions I can ask? You know, just things like that. Um, just to have, I, I think that's going to be obviously the future is we'll continue doing the things we do both on candidate side, on recruitment side, but it'll be assisted by technologies like that just to enhance 100%. our thinking, our processes, you know, how fast. And I will, I, I do hope we see more tools that can, you know, automate and speed up like the application process and yep. things of that nature. Cause it can get really cumbersome for candidates to just like data entry after data entry, trying to yeah. get things submitted and whatnot. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. From like a productivity standpoint, it's really good. I think for me, as far as like building out skeletons and templates for a job description yeah. or a cover letter for a candidate. Mm -hmm. And like you said, kind of relating that to certain things you can highlight in an interview. Um, yeah. it's all, it's all wonderful. We talked about obviously, or you mentioned it there, obviously you don't want to come off as robotic, um, especially if you yeah. get into the interview, if you can't articulate the things that it's quote unquote telling you or, or asking you yeah. to work through, then, um, you're probably worse off than not even using it in the first place. So, um, yeah, it's yeah if you're generating, person. if you're generating the ideas, the prompts, kind of like the yeah. context of whatever, I think AI can sharpen all of that and give you some yep. more ideas. Oh, you're right. Yeah, wonderful. Um, well, we'll see where it goes. Obviously, it's it's early yeah. days. Um, it's definitely exciting because I mean, automation and AI tools ish have, have always kind of been around from like mm -hmm. an applicant tracking system standpoint and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems like kind of a new a new era, which is really exciting. Um, you obviously in the last year, couple of years or so, have really committed to creating an online presence, and you certainly ask candidates or. or hope that candidates would, would do something similar. What are a couple reasons you think that's important for, for candidates and what are a couple of the kind of golden standard or, or main rules to follow? And a lot of this stuff's on your page, obviously, but yeah, just a couple of sure. So one example is, is I, I worked with a candidate um, that I had noticed was online on LinkedIn, you know, struggling and, and she, she was posting a lot of content. We ended up having some conversations and ended up offering some, some coaching and some help, but, you know, this was a situation where, you know, she was coming out of, had done a boot camp, was coming out of a long period of time where she was a parent and then entering the workforce again, it was completely yeah. changing what she had done professionally. And the one thing that gave her a leg up you know, when she finally landed her first job, you know, I had to ask her like, what, what eventually worked for you? She said, every single conversation, every single interview I got was from networking from a referral. Yeah. Now that's not always the case. You know, it, it's not a magic bullet, but 
um, the reason and, and really what she chalks up to her success is her online presence. Like people yeah. just, if you, not that you have to be some, you know, daily content creator or anything, but she was just really active mm. on, on the LinkedIn feed, joining these groups, uh, reaching out to folks, yeah. posting stuff herself, even though she, she was not at all an expert, but that's, that's, what's really interesting about sort of social media is you can put it, you can literally make a name for yourself. I mean, I'm yeah. here in small town, Idaho, yeah. and now sort of have this global brand and have a ton of connections and yeah, probably more professional opportunity than I'd ever hoped for. for sure. um, so one is just getting, you know, it's just a spider web networking is when you meet someone, when you get in these groups, when you, um, you know, make those connections, you now become part of a whole other group, you know, like yeah. for example, me and you, um, were connected a while back. Now we are, and now we probably have some, some mutual connections and, totally. and more opportunity than we did before. So I think there's just getting noticed, getting your name out there and, and getting connected with folks instead of just going kind of silent and scrolling through there. So yeah. that was one example that was, that was pretty remarkable. You know, she has no hopes of landing a job, you yeah. know, coming out of, parenting situation years and years hasn't been working yeah. went to a cyber boot camp and boom less than a year had a job and yeah. that's because she was just super dedicated to that, that social yeah. media piece proofs in the pudding um i mean if nothing else like <laughs> you said it, it does raise your chances i mean the reality yeah. for recruiters i think is you know we have up to you know 100 conversations a week let's say we're not going to place 100 yeah. people a week that's just the reality we probably place five mm -hmm. percent or lower than that and that's just yep that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, but a lot of relationships or candidates that I represent are people that I've known for six months, 12 months at a time, and maybe they'll yeah. be hiring one day. And, you know, you have to do the groundwork early on. It's almost, mm -hmm. I will almost guarantee people that the first person you reach out to is not going to be the person that hires you or the person that you work with. Uh, I'd love to see well some case studies if that, if that is the case, yeah. but um, yeah, that groundwork and building a brand is, is very important. Um, it's interesting because in, in cybersecurity, it doesn't feel like they're directly related, right? Or even if you're already mm -hmm. in a job and in a career that you think you're going to stay in for, for a decade plus, it's still really important to build that network and build your brand. It's good for yourself. It's good for your company. And if you're hiring one day, I would argue it'll be much easier yep. for you. So um, yeah, across the board would, would certainly agree. For people getting started in, in building their brand, I think there's a lot of avenues to that, whether it's maybe starting a podcast yeah. or just regular mm -hmm. posts, I think is always crucial. But are there any certain kind of early tips for people that are going yeah. from, you know, 500 connections and hoping to get up to a couple thousand sure. maybe? So I, I offer, right. I kind of teach a strategy called just join the conversation. So imagine whatever platform you're on there, there's like little parties happening all over the place. Yeah. So on LinkedIn, there's a cybersecurity party. You walk into a party. Um, are you going to make many friends if you just kind of walk around and, bump yeah. shoulders and wave at people like yeah. you're just not. So what I recommend just at the early stages is go find content creators that talk about topics you're interested in. In this case, cybersecurity could be even more specific than that. Instant yeah. response, security research, SOC, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so people that have a following that have, you know, regular content coming out and just jump in and start, you know, interacting with what you're seeing on there, commenting yeah. on the post, coming up, you know, reaching out to people that are doing the same. So really it's just about not even creating content yourself. Um, it's just about 
where are those conversations happening and just jumping in and, yeah. and that's nerve wracking people surprisingly are um, if they're employed, like are scared of that, their employer might see what they're saying, right. even though it's completely innocent yeah, and, yeah. you know, you know, harmless and it's good stuff. You know, people, it's just very strange. A lot of people are just very hesitant to jump in there and start chatting. And it doesn't matter. Like what I recommend is just a simple approach. Like I said goodbye to Twitter, at least for now, like last mm-hmm. year I was going way harder at, at one platform, LinkedIn. Sure. And that's really scaled up for me, but I didn't want to spread myself too thin trying to be everywhere at once. So just pick, pick one place, a, a discord server that yeah. perhaps uh, that's a community that really speaks to you, that you, that you feel welcomed in that that's has good content. You know, I, I love like simply cyber TCM. Yeah. Those are good ones where a lot of the content and dialogue and, and, video content is geared towards like entry-level folks or people that are learning. And there's all sorts of conversations happening on the technical side, on the career side. So just pick one Mm -hmm. and just jump in with both feet, start meeting people, start interacting. And, you know, it's just a snowball effect from there. You meet one person, you meet another, all of a sudden people know who you are. You're well connected. And honestly, like if I have a a networking target, like I've had very specific people I want Mm -hmm. to meet that I want to interact with, I won't even send them a connection request. Yeah, I'll just go follow their content and just start supporting that. And then over time, it's like, oh, Josh has been here hanging out for long enough. It seems like we know each other. And so, yeah, just just pick one platform you're comfortable with and go all in. That's that's sort of the idea. Yeah, hundred percent. I like the the both feed in aspect. Um, another thing, not necessarily on LinkedIn, and we've said it several times on this show, but your local OWASP or ISSA or IC squared yeah. chapters, most major cities at least have those. Are wonderful, really cheap ways to get involved locally. Besides, well. yeah, hundred yeah, mm-hmm. percent. There's tons of them. There's tons of them. We've hosted a couple times at OWASP and ISSA meetings, and oftentimes you might meet recruiters there if you're looking for work and whatnot. So. Um, that's another or even just googling show. like Google your city, yeah, and then like cyber meetups or local cyber, yeah, etc. Doesn't have to be some huge DefCon conference, like yeah, or host don't one worry yourself. about that, like, like you know, or host one, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, exactly, love it. Um, pivoting a little bit, what are some of the biggest challenges, in, I guess, in your cyber recruitment career that you have found? in the industry? I think we've mentioned a couple, maybe tidbits a little bit, but what are a couple of those challenges and and what are maybe some ways to to change? And I'd love to get in on, on the topic as well, but. Yeah. Yeah. You, you bring up a really good question. I think from, as a recruiter, it, it's finding what the hiring manager actually wants and understanding that it's yeah. actually more difficult than it seems like, yeah, yeah. you know, I think people that have never been in recruitment just assume Oh, it's a job description. They need these skills and just find someone that has that. Like it should be pretty simple. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but it's, it's way more complex than that. We are looking for people that are aligned to our mission, our values that have a particular attitude that have certain soft skills. Yeah. And so, yeah, while, while I do sourcing, while I work with um, third-party recruiters like yourself, yeah. You know, we're, we're on paper, we're, we're searching for certain technical skills or um, experience, but, but really it goes far beyond that when we try to find the right match. And I think mm-hmm. that has been 
very difficult because every hiring manager yeah. has their own preference, their own expectations. And those actually, surprisingly, can change during the process. Hey, oh yeah, we haven't recruited in this for this role for a while, or we have a new manager. Mm-hmm. Um, we start talking to candidates and all of a sudden we we learn that what we thought we wanted has changed. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden we're having to pivot and focus on some some different things. So from my end, that's been a challenge. Yeah. As always, a, sort of a theme is finding just not the right technical person, but the right fit for the manager and that team and the need at the time. Because it's, it's always a little bit of nuance there. Yeah, what are your tons. thoughts on that though? Yeah, tons. I mean, it's probably even even sometimes more difficult for me because I'm I'm external, right? I'm not coworkers with these hiring yeah. managers. And mm-hmm. especially early on in a relationship, um, you kind of you, you want to go with the flow for a little bit for what they're looking for, right? Um, oftentimes it's really easy for a hiring manager, I think, to just go, we want somebody that's doing the exact same thing in a competitor, similar yeah. company, et cetera, you know, yeah. go find them. And while that might be a good candidate on paper, like you said, all the logistics and the motivations, et cetera, might not match mm-hmm. up. And for the most part, I think those are probably the first couple of things I look for is location. And, and it's the first couple of things I qualify on a call as far as their motivations to why they took the call. Are they looking, mm-hmm. are they realistically going to be somebody that I think would take an offer? You really have to qualify those things early yeah. on. Um, so yeah, the the misstep I think in, in working with, with hiring managers is definitely can be a challenge. Um, and we're, we can give some good context, I think, because we work with so many different types of companies and types of roles. So a lot of times I try to educate hiring managers and really dig on, on, on what they are looking for. Um, mm-hmm. so like I said, it, it is probably easy to just go to a competitor, copy, paste the job description, and that'll probably get yeah. the job done. Um, but that's not good i think like for the industry and and for candidates that are that are looking for work um so it's a good it's a good point but definitely definitely big challenge and i touched on earlier just the kind of difference between certain levels of where people are in the industry Mm -hmm. entry level i think it's really saturated there's not that many jobs especially in a down market like this um which is which is hard and then more so at the senior, you know, more high level individual contributor level is where we see a lot of the client needs. Um, but because the market is a little more down, candidates are probably less likely to to take a call and to move. And, yeah. and that's that's where the gaps are. Um, I don't know if you see a similar thing, but. Yeah, I mean, like 18 months ago, we were struggling, to, like it was a candidate market. So Oh yeah, or, or maybe I'm not given the right timeline, but like when the market was booming, yeah. yeah, things things shifted, and it was like, man, we're really having to promote the brand more, you know, sell the culture, yeah. way more outreach. Whereas I maybe had to make this many contacts to get a call, oh, yeah. that's going to double or triple perhaps for the team. And and now in a down market. You know, the power has kind of shifted back to the companies like, oh, now there's less mm-hmm. jobs, kind of there's just different and your priorities are changing constantly, especially at a kind of a startup culture like Drago's. It's it's up and down for sure. hundred yeah, percent. Transitioning a little bit, we're already kind of talking sure. about it, but what what is the best way you think <clears throat> a security professional can differentiate themselves or, or stand out to to yourself and, and hiring managers? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think make everything about the company and their needs. I I think 
and, and maybe I'm talking in the context of like an interview or a conversation, mm-hmm. but, yeah. um, you know, candidates are so eager to sell themselves and, and what they can do and their experience. But some of that might not be relevant to what the company or the hiring manager actually wants. Mm-hmm. So if a candidate can show a ton of interest, not only in the company, the team, you know, the manager, et cetera, but really understand their needs and say, okay, I understand that you prioritize these skills or this experience, or right now you're really needing this. Yeah. Here's where I can fill that gap. And here's where I'm strong. You know, just make it about them, you know, show your value in terms of what the company needs. Cause I can't tell you the amount of times I've gotten on a phone with a candidate and, and they're so eager to talk about their background and their, their experience. And many of those talking points have nothing to do with what we're looking for. Yeah. Maybe some, maybe some don't. Um, but that, that would be number one. Yeah. Um, and then number two is just, you know, the, the, not always the best candidate wins the yeah. job. <laughs> candidate interviewed the best. And, yeah. and what I mean by that is they were able to showcase their value in the best yeah. way. And it's just back to my first point, understanding yeah. the role, doing your research, all of that. Um, and then it's just showing interest. Like yeah. that's such a simple sure. thing. And it sounds so strange, Yeah, yeah but you're right. especially at Dragos where we're so mission driven and I've worked yeah. at organizations that really care about that people want to work here, Yeah, you know, showing that interest that you've done your research, that you're interested, that you're highly engaged throughout the process, yeah. I think speaks volumes because a lot of candidates are just way too passive about it. Yeah, 100%. Passion really shines through. And at the end of the day, people want to work with with other people they want to work with, right? Um, and so yeah. those motivations are really important. For me, an initial conversation or with candidates I've been working for for a long time to really understand those motivations and if it is going to be um, a fit as far as like passions and stuff. The first point you mentioned as well, as far as it's almost identical to sales, as far as you want to yeah. solution sell against what the person's looking for. You don't want a product right. push. You don't want to just push yeah. on all of these different things that you might be good at. Um, obviously, in an interview, it is kind of back and forth as far as questions and stuff. You want to research the company, understand what they're looking for based off the job description yeah. and ask some really good questions. And again, solution sell yourself. Don't don't product push. It's, I, the whole time you were saying that, I was just thinking about sales because yeah, it's a great as an external great recruiter, parallel. Yeah, like a, a good portion of my job is is business development and and hopefully working with more companies to work for. So that um, I guess connection really, really stood out and talk about all the time, have it, have an elevator pitch, be able to pitch yourself. And there's tons of resources online that you can do for free and, you know, even reach out to Josh mm-hmm. and myself and say, you know, can we do a mock interview, that kind of stuff. And yeah. those, um, yeah, solution, solution selling is, is really crucial. So those are wonderful. Um, how have you seen people maybe outside of cybersecurity, either entry level or transitioning from a different industry? What sorts of skill sets or soft skills have you seen transfer really well or have come off really well in an interview or on a resume? Yeah. Like um, there's a ton of examples, but I would say people that have a lot of face-to-face like customer service or selling or just people interaction is huge. And I think that is a gap in cybersecurity in terms of skill set because more and more cybersecurity professionals are having to, um, not like officially be a consultant, but, but they, they certainly have to have yeah. those 
problem, not problem solving skills, but communication skills, people skills, be able to influence others around them and, and customers perhaps. Um, so, so a lot of, I, I, I mean, that could be healthcare, police officers, mm -hmm. salespeople, teachers, just those that have had a ton of interaction with just a variety of people and situations yeah. and able to just clearly communicate. Because mm -hmm. just take like an instant response case, for example, um, if you're the technical person, yeah. whether it be the internal team or the, the retainer team that's helping with the breach, yeah. you have to be able to pivot from technical talk to layman's terms for perhaps your management mm -hmm. to, to legal, to like all these different audiences, right? So yeah. if you can um just the ability to work with all sorts of different people and situations and just communicate clearly is such a valued 100%. skill we hire a ton of consultants <clears throat> i've hired a ton of consultants here at dragos in my time here yeah and all very sharp technically like rock stars they know their stuff yeah they can knock it out of the park but the one thing that differentiates a good consultant from a bad one is that communication ability, teamwork, just those soft skills. Because 100%. if you you fail at that, like the technical stuff just won't matter yeah. as much. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, agree. tons of career changers, career changing is happening all the time. Yeah. Um, but but I'm seeing those interactive roles just find a lot of success because managers love people that are dynamic and that can commute uh, that can communicate. So. Yeah, hundred percent. It's easy to think about a cybersecurity professional as kind of the hacker in the corner and not talking to anybody, right? But yeah. more and more, especially for like the CISO and security leaders, are becoming much <clears throat> more business focused and business oriented. Yeah. Maybe are sitting on boards, etc. And there's a trickle down effect of that, and even at the entry or, or lowest level, that cross functional ability and and kind of business thinking is is crucial. Like you said, for a consulting or an external facing position, or just internally, maybe you're at a corporation and, you know, like you said, being able to work with the finance teams or, or what have you yeah. is something that comes off really mm -hmm. well for clients and stuff that we're working for. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that kind of blanket question. What do you sure. look for on a resume or how do you think a resume stands off? Well, cause we can get into it, but yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll answer that. So first, just very simple is just how it's formatted. If if right off the bat, I'm sort of confused and it, yeah. it's not making a lot of sense, like who, what type of professional they are, what their skills are, what their, yeah. what positions they've held. If that information is difficult to find in a short amount of time, I'll probably just move on from that resume. Yeah. Um, and I just don't have the time to sit there and read it line by line. Yeah. So just really clean, clear formatting. If it's really easy to find information about them mm -hmm. um, because as the recruiter working for a hiring manager, I'm being asked to screen for very specific skills, job titles, experience, et cetera. Yeah. And if I'm not able to find those pieces quick, I'm, I'm just not able to not able to move forward. So yeah. that would be number one. And then number two, um, just speaking about like technical roles, what, what's the tech stack you've used? Yeah. What are your skills? Even if you're entry level, like what are you getting your hands on? Um, what are some things you're doing um, project wise, mm -hmm. et cetera? And then th those are the things that would stand out um, yeah. to me or the managers that I work with. 
Yeah, the format thing's crucial. It's kind of hard because I don't think you want to overdo it. Um, I've definitely seen resumes that are just a, yeah. a little too much and you know, there's yeah. colors and there's a pie chart and those, those yes. are a little unnecessary, <laughs> I think, for me. Yeah. And there's a couple other like just easy things. You know, you don't need to have your a, a picture of yourself there, your address, that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, would definitely agree. Just the second you open a resume, you can kind of tell if it's if it's mm -hmm. like you said, easy to work through. If it's formatted well, if it's just kind of on a Word doc line by line, it it, it doesn't look well. So, and that's the easiest thing to do is go online, find yeah. a good format, and just copy it. It's so mm -hmm. easy. Uh, exactly. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And then the second thing for me is, and hiring managers that I work with always, almost always look for this is in the description of, of the roles that you're working for. Are you just listing the job requirements? Are you basically just copy pasting the job description? Or are you saying what you did, how it added value, how it was different? Because yep. I've said this probably, yeah. I've, yeah, I've probably said this on every show. You know, one web app pen tester, in theory, if there's a hundred of them applying for the role, they could all probably say the same thing in, in, in a mm -hmm. job description right around a resume. But how did you differentiate yourself? Did it save this function money? All that kind of stuff is comes off really well. Those are really powerful resumes. And um, again, if you're writing them yourself or using an example or going to AI. I'm, I'm sure all of the above are able to kind of help, you, help yep. you do that. So it should be an easy thing, but I think resumes are oftentimes looked over and mm -hmm. resumes in general are just kind of an age long conversation about how valuable they are. I think the more farther along you get in the career, you know, the less probably needed they are, mm -hmm. but in that, you know, one to five years, they're, they're absolutely crucial. Um, so for anybody listening that, that needs some work on that, tons of resources, you know, reach out to Josh and I, et cetera. Um, what domains do you think right now? And I know your view within Dragos might be relatively set, but are there certain domains sure. within cybersecurity that you think um, are really hot right now that for professionals are trying to get into the industry should look at, you know, between security operations, engineering, GRC, et cetera? Yeah, I think it, to your point earlier, Evan wants everyone wants to be the hacker, to be yeah. the pen tester, because that's that's really cool stuff. The red yeah. team and and all of that. So those roles probably aren't. If you're just getting started, probably aren't. You're gonna have to pivot into some of those. Is is what yeah. I'm seeing. So, you know, if I was just starting out, um, just you know, the SOC cybersecurity analyst, um, working with just the any any position that gives you broad exposure. To common tools like the sim and and just yeah. different technologies and such i think is is th those are just the bread and butter like yeah. a company has to have the nuts and bolts in place and they have to have a team running that and whether it be at the technician level um or at the engineering level and everything in between you know any position that can give you some broad exposure to just how a network security organization functions and how a company yeah you know, operates at that basic level, I think is, is never going to go away. Um, right now, just the, um, you know, managed services, the consulting, you know, I think in this economy, companies are cutting back on some of those um, services and, and business yeah. opportunities. So while that might be a goal of yours to, to go into, you know, it's, it's probably not going to happen early, early on, but, but potentially, you know, yeah. down the road intelligence as well. Yeah. Like very popular, man, if, if you can, if you can write well, if you're a, a really good analytical thinker, problem solver, yeah. if you can sit there and just look at a problem for a, a long amount of time and figure things out. Like there's, there's a good amount of Intel positions out there 
Totally. If you're in the United States at the government level and otherwise, there's a ton of Intel shops that are pumping out really good stuff. And that's never, again, that's another bread and butter function of the industry yeah. is just, you've got to have solid Intel to be successful. So, um, and they'll, they'll bring on a junior malware analyst. Oh, they'll bring on someone that, you know, that, that can learn, but that can write well, that can yeah. manage databases. Yeah. There's some um, really, there's some really robust like fusion centers and stuff that we'll recruit for, for some global yeah. organizations. And all they're looking for is like geopolitical understanding. Maybe they speak another yeah. language and then just really yep. fundamental, like data science background, machine learning, mm -hmm. et cetera. Don't, aren't even looking for people in, you know, from cyber backgrounds. And then, and then you're in a cybersecurity organization, you're in a fusion center and it yeah. is a lot easier to pivot. So that's maybe kind of an alternate round. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, as far as what I'm seeing overall, obviously it's definitely a bit different of a year, but I think the two hottest types of skill sets are still within cloud security. So many companies are still looking for yeah. those skill sets. Any experience across any of the major public clouds come off really well, whether it's a cloud security mm -hmm. focused role or not. Um, so those are, and those are probably the more accessible like certifications and yeah. there's a lot of resources on that kind of stuff. And then- yep. Brent, who was our last guest also, I think made a good point. And we're seeing a lot of hiring is just across the general kind of governance risk compliance space, um, yeah. you know, cyber risk assessors and auditors and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff is usually a way from a really high level to go in and, and understand a lot of different parts of um, yeah. parts of an organization. So those are those are two that stand out as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like the AWS certs and like the ability to, to learn cloud tech is highly uh, accessible so yeah and it's not going anywhere that. um it's still kind of full steam ahead which is really exciting um that kind of does it as far as some of the more direct questions i had for you i want to give you the chance maybe to ask some questions to myself or for viewers um trying to understand maybe the differences between like agency recruitment and, and corporate recruitment um if you've got any questions for me would, would love to answer yeah i mean are you seeing themes of which of your candidates are winning jobs you know, does anything stand out? Because you you do work with a variety of companies. Yeah. Is there has there been some sort of theme with with what type of candidate profile is winning? Is you know what hiring managers like to see? Yeah, I think short answer is a little bit of what we've touched on on like the the soft skills, client facing, stakeholder management, those kind of candidates. If yeah. their technical skills are even, will always absolutely always, um, I think get the role get the role first, and then. Obviously, the secondary logistics around remote work versus hybrid compensation is really challenging in the market right now because mm -hmm. you know costs are up, inflation's up, companies have a lot more power right now. There's a lot of unfortunate layoffs that have happened. A lot of those coming from higher-paying companies, so expectations compensation-wise are are all over the place. Um, <laughs> a lot of companies are taking advantage of that. So those kind of logistical challenges are um, are tough, but candidates that are able to be flexible and that kind of stuff always come off. Well, it's tough because the conversation about remote work, I mean, you could write a thousand page paper on it, but um, more and more companies, I'd say six months ago, less than half of our roles were like on site, hybrid, flexible, et cetera. And probably more than half are back in that setting now. So that's definitely a trend. Um, that was my next question was if you yeah. did see an actual, because we see the headlines, yeah. you know, on the news about, you know, companies, forcing workers back into the office. So you're actually yeah. seeing that happen. 
with oh, yeah most of the companies we work with are, are flexible but are at least looking for people that are in region are able to travel yeah. out you know once a quarter sure. or front loaded the first six months sort of thing whereas last year it was like full yeah. reigns um yeah and it's tough as a recruiter because i'll speak with people and they're like i'll, I'll never go into an office again and like fair play like there's nothing i can really say about that i think that's a, a well-given right of people but sure. unfortunately it, it does pigeonhole yourself um yeah. and you know you can be up in arms about it and I'll certainly support you in that, but that's just the reality right now with a yeah. company driven market, you know, next year, years from now, it'll probably be a candidate driven market again. And we'll probably see an uptick yep. in remote work. That's just <laughs> kind of the reality. So. Yep. The power has shifted. Um, yeah. I didn't have anything else else sure. on, in mind. I think we covered a lot of, a lot of the questions I had too. So. Yeah. I'm really excited to get this out. Last question for yeah. you. We ask it to everybody sure. that comes on the show um, a little more lighthearted. What's the worst, um, yeah. I guess recruiter or sales reach out that you've gotten, you know, relatively recently that that's funny or worth sharing. Uh, I don't know if, if they're funny. I get a ton of them yeah. and they yeah. all kind of blend together. Um, I would say maybe I can't think of a specific example, yeah, but on the candidate, uh, yeah. Uh, on the, uh, on the sales side, like just the assumption that I'm going to do what you want. Yeah. So a ton of, and and I'm not speaking poorly of, of agency recruiters, but yeah, the reason that I think we partner with certain organizations is they've, they've actually like taken the opportunity to get to know us, to understand yeah. the business. Um, but like the amount of sales outreach I get that is yeah. just like, Hey, here's my link. We're, we're going to help you out. It's we, 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 us, us, us. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah man, like you didn't even mention anything about me or like the company I work at. Right. Um, but that, that stuff is tough and I get they're out there. The business development aspect is hot yeah, and yeah. they've got to do the outreach, but I think being genuine, investing in long-term relationships is like going to get a win in whatever aspect you're doing. But I had a gentleman yesterday, um, reach out from Australia. Cause we've had some, we're doing some business down there and just like five back-to-back -back messages over two days time without a response from me. I'm like, okay, you already lost. It's like, yeah, chill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit invasive. It's hard not to be like a hypocrite. I'm a recruiter. I reach out to people all the time, right? Yeah, but I do the I same think, to candidates. <laughs> like you're saying, yeah, taking the time to to read into them a little bit or, or make a comment about maybe a passion they have. I comes off well for me when people reach out and are like, hey, that, that podcast episode was great. Are you open to a chat? Yeah. I'm always like, hell yeah. And I'll leave other messages and get back to them later. But those ones that, that make those kind of mentions always, always stand out. So hundred percent for anybody listening. Good, uh, good shout. Wonderful. Yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, no other questions for me. I'm sure anybody listening, feel free to reach out to Josh and I about any kind of follow-ups or questions for us on this, but yeah, really appreciate the time, Josh. And I'm really glad you came on for our listeners. This is the last episode of season one here. We'll probably pick it up later on in the year. Um, but as always, thanks for listening. And Josh, it was great to have you on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Take care, everybody.